Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to enjoy inclusion on lists of the best podcasts to listen to. Everything from uh, Inc.com to AllBusiness.com to recently Forbes.com, we are gaining recognition as a great resource for uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, business professionals of all kinds. And that is really mainly because of the guests. Uh, These are folks who have expertise in particular areas. They join me uh, to share that expertise with all of you. So you can get the information you need, you can get answers to your questions, tips, techniques, whatever it is, you can connect with these uh, guests after the podcast so that you can be more successful, uh, do better things in your business, be happier, just, you know, live in life large. Uh, Today is no different. My guest today is Travinia Barber. Travinia is a straight shooter who uses her talents to help entrepreneurs maximize their time by effectively outsourcing. She's the founder and owner of uh, Priority VA, host of Diary of a Doer, and Mom of Four. Because of all of that, she has mastered delegation and teaches others how to achieve success through this skill. You can check out her podcast, Diary of a Doer, to learn how to chase slow and improve your personal life without sacrificing your business. This is something we all need. I cannot wait to have this conversation. Thanks for joining me today, Travinia. Oh, Diane, thanks for having me here. I I love talking to business owners about how they can get what they really want out of their life and their business by outsourcing. So thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. 
absolutely. This is such a huge topic, and more people really need to take some time to learn about it. So um, I'm so glad they are tuning in to listen to this. And I want to start um, with how a, how a CEO can know exactly what they should outsource, because I think that's where a lot of them get tripped up. Yeah, and I think this is going to look different for everyone, right? Because one CEO that I talk to might outsource their calendar or email management, yet another might say content creation or social media management are their sticking points. And so I like to look at it this way. What if we could be really honest about what we were really good at, not the things that we're exceptional at, but the really, really good things, and create systems or processes around those things and get them delegated immediately? Because here's what happens. How much more time will that free up for us to work on the things that either we need to get better at or to go all in on the things that we are truly exceptional at that are going to move the needle in our business? And so that's how I think we can know what we need to outsource is really diving into what are we exceptional at? Uh, and what are we what are we really good at? Because I think we spend so much of our time, Diane, doing the things we are good at, but we have no business doing in our business. So uh, that's step one for me. I love that, and it is so true. I, and this is so interesting for me because as you were talking about it, I was thinking, okay, the things that I'm really good at, and then creating the process around it and and outsourcing it, it feels to me like it would be easier to figure out what the process is around something I'm really good at than try and figure out the process around something I'm struggling with. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why we want to start with those things because they're the quickest wins that we can get to buy back the majority of our time. Because if we look at our days, we're spending the majority of them doing stuff we're actually really good at. But if we brass tacks kind of get to the nuts and bolts of things, it's not typically the best use of our time. And so that's why I like to kind of start there. Uh, and in other ways, actually years ago, I actually used to say to, you know, make a list of the things that you're, you don't know how to do or the things that you don't want to do or the things that you never have time to do. And then the things that only you can do. And I used to tell people like, get rid of the stuff that you don't know how to do first. Uh, and just as we've grown in this business and as I've worked with more CEOs, what we found is what gets people the most traction is actually getting rid of the things they're good at first. I can see that because we're doing those things because we are good at them. We're probably not doing the stuff that we're not that good at or, or don't necessarily enjoy. And so I, I, I can see this, that this is how we would free up our time so that we could be doing the things that we're really, you know, great at and supposed to be doing and, and maybe learning how to do the other things if they're, if it makes sense for us to be doing. Them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm, wow. I like this concept. <laughs> okay. So now talk to me about virtual assistants because, um, I think there's a lot of people, I'm amazed actually at how many people don't know what they are and so they never consider them as an option. And so what they'll say is, well, I can't, I really can't afford to hire somebody right now. And I think, okay, well, or I don't have time to hire somebody or, you know, whatever it is, can't find good help. And I think you don't even necessarily want to be hiring someone anyway yeah. for, to be able to do some of these things. So share if you would. 
Yeah. So I think that hiring a virtual assistant is a good option for some people, right? So I think there's a threshold that I personally believe in. I don't believe that you should go into debt to hire support. So I think that your business needs to be, you know, revenue neutral or positive before you kind of take the plunge into getting virtual or any sort of support. Uh, but once you've got that done, besides, I think the obvious tax savings, I think virtual teams, remote distributed support are good options because you get specialized skills and you get the work that you actually pay for. You know, there's, there was a study done recently that said average employees who are, you know, paid to work eight hours a day in a nine to five job actually get about 2.8 hours of work done every day, but we're paying them for eight. <laughs> and so VAs are a great option. I think for those that know they don't need full-time support or who are trying to justify, right? I don't have enough money or, or work to hire somebody full-time or for those that really need specialized skills that let's just say you live in some tiny town outside of Dallas. Maybe you don't have even the resources, the pool of talent to get that specialized skill in that tiny town. And so you're pulling from an international workforce. So I always like to tell people the help you need is out there. So we don't get to say anymore, like if I just had this XYZ person in my business, I'd be fine. Or if I just had you know, somebody at $8 an hour, I'd be fine. Because no matter what your excuse that you're giving yourself is, that person is out there available to you right now via outsourcing. That's awesome. Okay. So, so give us some ideas of how you find the right VA. Well, I, I always like to push buttons, right? And so <laughs> before I think- <laughs> I know you're a straight shooter, so. <laughs> I am, I am. So before you can work on finding the right VA, I think you have to define first what success looks like for that role. Because what's gonna make that person, and really for those of you listening, like write this down, I think this is good stuff. If you can identify and answer these questions for yourself, you're gonna understand how to find the right team member. And so what's gonna make that person when they come join your team, what is going to make them be your hero? What are they going to do that is going to make them absolutely shine in your eyes? And then conversely, what are they going to do that is completely going to piss you off? The next area I want you to look at is how are you going to actually measure their contribution to your business, right? So what, what performance measures do they have to meet? And then what results do you need to see from them in order to say, oh my gosh, that was like the most amazing hire ever. Because once you have those areas identified, then what happens is you take the words that you write down on that paper, you, you take the, the content that you've created by answering those questions, and you create a job description that actually accurately describes the who and the what you want done. And oftentimes I think what happens is that it makes getting qualified candidates even easier. So you're not having people who are just like looking to fill a role or you know sending out 37,000 resumes a day because they need a job the right VA ends up coming to you because if you've taken the time to really like know thyself, I think, and get clear on who you need rather than what you need done, I think the right people end up coming along. And so once you've done that, I think there are three really great ways to find a virtual assistant. I think the first and easiest way is to ask your network because amazing people know other amazing people. And so ask your network. If you have an email list, email your list, um, post on your social media, right? Ask other colleagues. Maybe if you're in a mastermind, ask them who they're using because referrals are often a really great way. 
The second way I'd say is to use a service, whether that's you know, a staffing company like mine with US-based support or an offshore company that helps you with the vetting process. They actually take care of that vetting as part of their service fees to match you with the right support. And I think that's a really good way if you, you often say people who say like, I suck at hiring, right? So that takes that piece out of the equation. And then the third way is it's the more arduous way, um, but it's for those who are probably more control freaks, is to hire directly. And you, I think, can go the Craigslist or Indeed route, but I think it's the most important to be sure you know who you're looking for and what you're hiring um, based on passion and purpose and proficiency. Because what happens and what I see happen most often is when people hire directly themselves, they really hire based on interest and availability and affordability, right? The first person to raise their hand and be like, ooh, hire me, hire me, I, I'm available, I can start tomorrow and I'm $12 an hour, right? They are like, yes, please, because you just want a warm body. And so instead, develop a hiring process that allows you to hire based on that person's passion for what they do, a purpose for how they would show up in your business, and then of course the proficiency to be able to actually get the job done. Okay, let's talk about proficiency yeah. because I get, people can say they can do anything, but how does someone ensure that the VA can do the things they say they can do? I think you've got to test them, right? And, and this is where, again, I have to sort of stress to people, this is not a post up an ad on Craigslist today and hire someone tomorrow. Okay, this is a process and it takes time. And I think this is why people hold off on doing it because they say I'm busy enough as it is. I don't have time for this. But what we did is we, we use a process that we affectionately call the gauntlet. And it's for us seven stages that test anything from how they can organize files to what they would buy as a gift for a friend with very little direction. It also tests their integrity. I give them an opportunity to steal from us. Uh, from their responsiveness to how quickly they can respond and change when I change maybe the link to a Zoom, a Zoom interview, right? How, how attentive can they be to details and more? So creating your own version of that for your business takes time. Um, I would say anywhere from five to hmm, 15 or 20 hours in a week for you to build out this process, but then you can build it out for any role that you have. And it's an evergreen process that you have that will make sure that you're not even talking to people that don't align with your values and, and can't do the things that you want them to do because you've built in testing along the way to kick out the people who can't do it. So this I think is a really interesting point that I had never considered and that's what, when it comes to the purpose and the passion part about making sure that this is someone who is part of your team. It's not someone who is necessarily like outside of your company anymore. They become a part of your team. So they have to have the same sort of belief system, it sounds like, that you do in order for that to really work. Yeah. And, and I think there are different, there are different things that require a different level of commitment. So let's say that you want something, um, I don't know, let, let me just try and think of a, you want a spreadsheet um, sorted and like a bunch of data entry, you know, done to, to upload into your CRM, throwing something random out. Now, does that take somebody who is passionate about your business to do? No, not really. Right. That, 
that is a task that is literally based on skill, right? And so, but otherwise, if you want someone writing your email funnels to get new business and new leads into your business, now that's actually probably not not based solely on skill and you need somebody who's going to really have a sense of purpose and passion about what you do because they're writing in your voice. They're getting you know, new clients into your business. And so for some tasks we can outsource, certainly. You just want the cheapest person on Upwork to get that thing done, right? Because it, it's a rote task that doesn't matter. But there are other outcomes in our business that we want to have happen that directly correlate to the bottom line of our business. And we want somebody who's all in doing those things. And I think the only way that you can do that is if you're bringing people in as long-term collaborative partners, not just cogs in a wheel checking a box. That, at least that's been my opinion. And our most successful clients have looked at it that way as well. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. So what do you say to someone who really struggles with delegation? You know, it's a trust thing or they can't wrap their head around it, you know, whatever yeah. it is. What do you say to them? I think that anytime you start delegation activities, you're flexing a muscle, just like you are if you were starting to train to run a half marathon, right? You're going to work out and then the next day your muscles are going to hurt. And so in business, there are going to be challenges, right? And you're going to be like, this is not worth my time. This hurts. They messed up. They put the wrong link in the email or my calendar appointment was wrong. There's going to be spilled milk. But I found that if you take the time to describe what you want, meaning you actually take the time to develop processes about your preferences, you're going to find that most problems aren't a people problem, they are a process problem. And so people that struggle with delegation typically tend to struggle with communication. <laughs> and if they can work on their communication skills, which I'm sure we'll kind of probably talk about a little bit later, uh, then they can also become really an expert at delegation. That's great. Thank you for that. I, I, that makes perfect sense to me. And I think, uh, and I love that it's a process problem, not a people problem. I totally agree with that. So I want to take a quick sponsor break. And then, yes, I have uh, more questions for you on the other side of that. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash business growth, you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Breathe to Succeed by Sandy Abrams and Leading Loyalty by Lena Renee. So visit audibletrial.com slash business growth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Travinia Barber about why every entrepreneur should outsource outcomes, not tasks. Just love that. <laughs> okay, so I do. I mean, it just so totally changes the, um, you know, the way you think about it because I think everybody thinks about it in terms of tasks, and we should be thinking about what are we trying to accomplish here. Absolutely. A whole other thing. Okay, so. If someone isn't great at delegating, uh, but they they just know they are hitting a wall fast and they really need to, and so you know it comes down to 
process and communication. Um, what, you know, what, what advice would you give them? What, where do they start with this whole communicating better? Yeah. So uh, I think three things. I think, and I'm going to beat it into people's heads because I've been so shocked to see how people can change so drastically uh, once they really get honest with themselves. And so knowing thyself, right? The first step to that, knowing what you really struggle with. And so when I tell my team, uh, the things that you're going to do that are going to piss me off are <laughs> when you're not one step ahead of me because I need you to be one step ahead of me. Or if I'm telling my team uh, that if you have a lack of urgency about things, it's going to frustrate me. Um, or if you don't, if you let me slide, actually would probably be a better way to put this. I, my team really serves as a, an accountability partner for me, right? And so I don't, I, hold their feet to the fire to hold mine to the fire, right? Deadlines are really important to me. And sometimes I can get in my head and give myself all sorts of reasons why I should just push out this deadline till next week. My team holds me accountable, but they weren't able to do that until I got really honest with myself and said, sometimes when I'm having a bad day and I start to feel like imposter syndrome is winning or whatever, I will push things off until the last minute. Don't let me do that. Right. So knowing myself, I think is absolutely the first step to really being a ninja at delegation and allowing your team to, to delegate or to implement on what you want to delegate to them. And then secondly, again, yeah, communication is key. I found in our business, that 43% of our clients that didn't do well like on our exit surveys and stuff, uh, they, would, they would always skip or cancel or push back or bail out completely on meetings with their virtual assistants. Once we locked in that communication cadence, our churn rate dropped significantly. And I was shocked to find that because I'm like, it's just a 15 minute meeting. Like, what is that impact? But in our business, what we found is that it's the first domino, that communication with your virtual assistant and getting that cadence really locked in. Um, Michael Hyatt used to call them calibration meetings, right? It's just you're calibrating the motor for the week and just getting everything figured out. Then all the other dominoes for the rest of your day or the rest of the week just seems to fall into place. And so I'm gonna, I will, I will die on that hill that communication is, is key. And then the third thing, I think that has to happen for anyone to really get, get good at delegating is that they've got to establish a system for getting stuff out of their head. I, I think we all know, it, especially those of us who are maybe more smaller business owners or we have, we're solopreneurs or have just small teams that are typically outsourced or contracted members. We have all of this information about how we do things or why we do things a certain way, but it's all locked in our head. And so once you have one or two channels that you get, I like to call them your brain dumps, to get your brain dumps out at, your VA can take things from there. They can pick up the baton where you leave it. But what happens when you're talking in Slack or some things on text message or others on Voxer or, you know, you have Asana for some tasks and Trello for others, right? Plus whatever other methods you throw out in the week, you end up acting like a pinball machine and what happens is that it's like playing a game of telephone, right? Where your communication just starts to break down and then your team ends up dropping the ball and you're blaming them because you're like, well, I sent you a text, but oh, maybe it was a Voxer message, right? And so 
that system is going to be crucial for keeping things on track and keeping everything where it needs to go so that there's one or maybe two sources of information and that project management piece of, of delegation becomes a no-brainer. Everyone knows where to go to get all the information that they need. This is so interesting for me. I, so my, <laughs> the thought that keeps, you know, sort of swirling around in my head is how um, difficult, I guess, is it for a CEO to really get honest with themselves? Because I love what you just walked through. To be able to say, this is me. This is what drives me crazy. This is what I do to sabotage myself. This is what I need from you to keep me honest, to keep me accountable. That, that just makes perfect sense to me. But then, you know, I think, yeah, right, okay. Like, how, how amenable are CEOs to doing that? Yeah, I think the ones that are really honest about wanting to grow uh, are amenable to that. I think they're like, yes, whatever it takes. Because we have to, we all hit our own version of rock bottom or we hit the wall where, you know, how many soccer games of your kid do you have to miss before you get honest with yourself? You know, how many late nights of like sitting at your kitchen table in your boxers rewriting emails does it take for you to get really honest about who you are and how you show up in your business? And, and, I think that's different for everyone. I think there are some CEOs that are going to be at the brink of losing it all before they decide that. And others are going to be like, I'm not missing a single, a single karate practice of my kid. And that's a really simple answer for them. But I think more than anything, what it takes is a CEO deciding if these are the goals that I say I want to hit for myself, my business, my team, what is it going to take for me to get there? And having a really hard conversation with ourselves about what do I need to stop doing in order to hit those goals? What do I need to start doing in order to hit those goals? And what do I have to keep doing that maybe already has some great momentum for you to hit those goals? And if you answer those questions honestly, it's almost like it jumps off the page at you of like what you need to actually do. You know, I was on a coaching call with a client that just this morning and she was talking about all the things she needed to start doing and stop doing. And, and I just said, I'm just going to keep asking you, what do you need to stop doing? Because there's one thing that I very clearly know you have to stop that you have not mentioned. And she just kept throwing out these like random things for me or whatever. And, and ultimately I said, I want you to think about your friends and is there anything you need to stop doing? And she instantly got teary and she said, you're right. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I need to stop doing work for free for my friends. I was like, ding, 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 right? And it was like she, this light bulb went off and she realized if I'm ever going to hit the goals, I got to stop being sort of held hostage by my friendships who want my services for free. Wow. Yeah, it's in there. Okay, it's in so there. We just the got to get real. <laughs> I know, I know. And one of the things that I'm hearing there is it's a hard thing to do on your own. And so you, it, there's value in soliciting the help of someone who can, help you see things that you have learned to not pay attention to yeah. or not own. Yeah, absolutely. I think if it's, you know, sometimes our mentors are people that we follow on Instagram, right? Or we're on their email list. And other times our mentors are, are paid masterminds that we're a part of and, and or therapists that we go to. But we've got to have someone in our life that's going to hold up a mirror to us and help us see what, what's been there the whole time. 
Definitely. Definitely, because you're right. we got to do it if if we're going to reach our goals. And I would think one of the first things that a CEO could do is if, if they're looking at their goals and then they're looking at their results and they're saying, okay, you know, I'm not, I didn't hit it again or whatever, then, you know, they can stop and say, okay, so I have to look at what I am doing, look at what is happening, what, you know, to see, to acknowledge where you are so that then you can start looking at, okay, what would different look like? Absolutely. Wow. All right. Talk to me now about um, what it means to outsource outcomes instead of tasks. Yeah. It's my favorite thing that I've ever said. Uh, I I need to trademark it because, and uh, and I I really, I got to that method uh, simply because I was working again, I was working with a coaching client and, and I just kept saying, all right, so what do we've got, what do we have to get off your plate this week? Like what's going on this week? And it just was like, and I've got to call Bob and I have to send my bio to Julie and, you know, and it just was like task, task, task. And I just got so frustrated, honestly. And I said, okay, at the end of the day, like at the end of today, what is the outcome that we're going after? And they ended up talking about how with this specific uh, set of tasks. It was all about podcast stuff and uh, booking guests for her podcast and booking get her to be on other people's podcasts. And I was like, the outcome that they were wanting was a podcast posted on Libsyn and iTunes every single week. And for her to be on two podcast episodes a month for other people, like that was the outcome that she wanted. And yet she was so caught up in the tiny little minuscule tasks that needed to happen to get to that outcome. And so what we started doing is is just shifting. If you will look at the end result that you want in your business for the podcast, let's say, it's going to show you that there is that specified outcome that you want to have happen. But most of the time, what we're doing is we're asking our team to just take a sliver of the responsibility for that outcome, right? To just simply do a tiny little thing, a task that pertains to that bigger outcome. But if we want our teams to own the outcomes in the business, then they need to own like A to Z, all of the pieces of getting that thing to the finish line. And so back to the podcast example, we, we ended up bringing in a team member that was going to handle all aspects of podcast management and outreach. And so what it ended up looking like was that virtual assistant ended up finding the guests to be on my client's show, sent them the interview request, sent them the forms to fill out, got their bio, their headshots, scheduled the time for you know her to do the interview. And then after the interview... They sent that interview to the editor. We actually created some really cool automation to help do all of that, but sent the the podcast to the editor, got it back, created the show notes, uploaded it, right, and did all of the things because the outcome was every Thursday a podcast episode drops. The only thing that my client had to do was on two Tuesdays a month, which were the podcast recording days, was come on and deliver a great podcast. The questions were done in advance, right? The thank you email after was sent without her having to do anything. And that is what outsourcing outcomes look like. Instead of, can you please send my headshot to Sarah? Because I'm going to be on this podcast. Do you see how that like looks and takes on a whole new feel? Yes, completely. Completely. 
Yeah, that's what outsourcing outcomes looks like. It, it looks like instead of taking one tiny little minutia of the bigger picture, it em empowers your team to take on a bigger role in the business. And then here's the other kind of cool byproduct that happens as a result of that. Your, your team members' actions are tied to the results and they get more buy-in, right? Which then goes right back to that passion and purpose question about hiring. They start to see that their actions have a purpose in your business, that they're just not a cog in the wheel that's checking boxes for the sake of checking boxes, that their actions, the reason they show up for work every day is moving things forward in your business and helping you do what you were created to do. And so it, it's full circle when you really start to look at outsourcing outcomes instead of just tasks. I can totally see that. Absolutely. And, and I, it just feels like it would be so much easier for a CEO to see that instead of, Oh, I think it, you know, it's sort of overwhelming. Well, there's this step and that step and the other step. And then you just feel like, forget it. There's just way too much here. I don't have time to turn it over. But if you think about the end result, then all those things are just steps. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I do presentations a lot and I talk about it, just one little project in my business that relates to a goal that I have set, right? So I want to sell X amount of courses by X amount of date. And then I go into the projects that it's going to take to get that goal met. And then I list out, I think I list out seven of the tasks for one tiny little project. And of those seven things, five of those tasks were something that my assistant or my team could absolutely help me with. So my involvement really only came into play on two items. And so it's like, if I'm gonna outsource the outcome of getting this course created, I don't have to be daunted by all of the things that have to be done when I just look at everything that can be done by someone else, my involvement is actually really little when it comes to, you know, I got to turn on record and deliver great content. Beyond that, man, my team is here to help me get that thing done. And if we look at it that way, I promise you, outsourcing will not feel as challenging as it does at the beginning. Yeah, definitely. And then you're doing the thing that that is your expertise. It's, it's that thing that only you could or should be doing. It's, it's, it's because you freed up all the other crap. So yeah. you can do that well. You can focus on it. Exactly. Yeah, so interesting. Wow. This is so great. So um, are there, well, I don't want to ask this question. What are the most common things that a CEO should outsource, do you think? Oh, yeah. I know it's different for everybody, but are there like no, typical usual? Great question, because I think we found seven things that most CEOs or founders will want to outsource at some point. Now, these, I, in no means I have a particular order because it's all going to be about your finances and your level of, of um, I think, risk and tolerance to be able to do this kind of thing. But the seven things in no particular order, I would say, uh, are email management for sure. I think that that's going to move the needle fastest for anybody in their business is outsourcing their email calendar management. Uh, so we're at three third would be funnel building, um, getting the lead generation going in your business. 
Fourth, for me, and this was really one of the first things that I outsourced was the tech implementation um, because I stink at it. I don't enjoy it. I don't like it. And I was, it was stalling my progress. So tech imp implementation that's, you know, building all of the things. And then customer support is uh, something that I think is really important. So that lands five on our list of having someone really be concierge for you, right? There, I, I like to say that a, a virtual assistant or an EA they're not a gatekeeper, okay? And if you can look at them as not that someone who's gonna keep people away from you, but really look at them as a gateway to get whoever, your customers, your other clients or whatever, get them the support that they need as fast as possible, um, that is a really great way to look at it. And customer support is absolutely falls into that category for me. They're the gateway to all of the things for your business. And you always look at it as like they're the first line of defense, right? They're often the first interaction your potential customers have with you. So um, yeah, the customer support's huge. Uh, number six for us is social media management. I think that, you know, many of us as founders or CEOs don't need to be wasting our time on social media, but it is important to have a presence there. And so having that outsourced is good. And honestly, the last step for a lot of us is content creation. I think we hold on to marketing in our business and as we should, uh, as, and it's often the last thing that we outsource. But once you can get some support on content creation, it helps you just churn out a lot more quality content faster. And so those are the seven things we think everyone should be outsourcing uh, at some point in their business. What is it about, well, let me ask you this about content creation. I have heard from uh, business owners that they struggle with finding someone who can like speak in their voice. So, you know, they can hire someone who's a good writer and can create content, but then they don't feel like it's, it's coming from them. Like, that, yeah. you know, then they want to make a bunch of changes to it. So, yeah. it's, you know, and that's why it's, that's why it's last on our list, uh, actually, because I think it's the hardest for people to let go of. And yeah. I think that for us, even in my own business, I have went through several different types of content creators because there are different types, right? I have a gal on my team that she can nail my voice in a newsletter like there's nobody's business, right? She can share what I've been up to this week and what I'm reading and all of that, but she couldn't write a sales letter to save her life. And so you have to, you have to look at the type of content that you're wanting to get created and then hire specifically for that. And it's often going to be multiple people on your team. Someone who's engaging in your community on Facebook is going to be a very different person, most likely, than the person who's writing your sales emails for lead generation. So um, finding voice is hard, and you got to go into it knowing you get what you pay for. First of all, I, I firsthand experience, I can tell you, um, I've paid $1,000 for one email, and I've paid, you know, $22 for an email. And there is a vast difference uh, in, in what I get for that amount. So know that. But yeah, content creation is a hard one. And I, that's why it's last on our list. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's a great, that, you know, that's a great tip that, that you have to know that there's different people who have skill levels and different sorts of content. So you have to think about that and think about what is it that you need them to do and realize that it's probably going to mean more than one person. It's going to be more than one person. And I think it's going to mean collaboration for a while too. You know, one of, uh, one of our clients one time, she had a content creator who was going to help her with opt-ins for her podcast, right? The downloadable freebies that you get when you're on a podcast episode. And 
it just wasn't working. And so what they ended up doing was getting on a Zoom call and they would spend 30 minutes twice a month and they would just hash out all of the different content ideas for the, the content upgrades. And that ended up working really well. The writer would record that Zoom and so she would have the tone of voice, right, just from that conversation. And it helped her develop an understanding of how our, the client thought and really the, the types of things that she would put into content upgrades and things like that. And so there are ways to get around it, but we have to, guys, I think the bottom line is that this is work and we can't look at outsourcing as abdicating our responsibility to show up and yeah. work. It's still yeah. work. Yeah. Good for you. It's so true. I, I'm really glad that you said that because I think um, that that is what people are expecting. Some people, some people are expecting I'm going to give it to you and you're going to take it over and my life's going to be good and I'm never going to have to think about it again. Exactly. It's not the case. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so great. At, you know, great topic and I really appreciate um, the, just the information and the way of looking at it. It's, it's I think there's such value in people taking a giant step back and saying, okay, hang on a second. You know, what do I, you know, how am I getting in my own way? What do I need from people? What do I need to be communicating? What do I do well, but probably shouldn't be doing all that stuff. I thought, I just thought that was great. So um, will you tell the listeners, you know, how they can find you and um, what you've got going on, please? Yeah. So gosh, I've got so much going on. It's been an exciting year for us. And so you can find us at PriorityVA.com if you're interested in virtual support. If you want to grow as a leader, uh, then head over to Trevenia.com and you can follow my podcast there. And I'm on, I got really lucky at Trevenia on all the socials. And so you can follow me there and, and follow my shenanigans and sort of no BS approach to life and business. That's great. That is great. I love that. I like that straightforward, straight shooter. Come on, folks, let's just get down to it because that's the only way this is going to happen. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you. you for having me. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for being here. I just, I loved it. And listeners, I always like to thank you because you are why we're here. Thanks so much for tuning in. And as well as our sponsor, if you would like to get a free trial of audible.com and a free audiobook please go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast Banking Transform, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.